Hello, my name's Gregory Wilker. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Live with Greg. Today is November 17th, 2019, and last night I learned that my podcast had way exceeded the resources I have to keep it alive as a video podcast. So I am actively working to move it to an audio podcast. The video is still available on my website, gregorywoker.com, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Live with Greg. Thanks for your support. So this is episode two of season three. I forget what episode it really is, consecutively. Okay. okay. I'm here with Chris Lanley, who's a speech therapist. Mm-hmm. Public and private. Public and private. Across all sectors. Woman around town. All right. And we're going to talk about comedy and the boundaries of comedy. Oh, is that what we're talking about? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was something else. What did you think it was? I thought it was more about like censorship versus like free speech or something like that. I didn't know it was about the balance of comedy, but I can roll with that. That's fine. Well, I think that's the same thing. Well, to a not really. Well, but yours is more open. Yeah, your mine's more open. Yeah, because I I think I completely agree with you when it's in the bounds of comedy. Like, in a comedy, like, if someone pays to go see a comedy show, it, to me, it doesn't matter, like, what someone talks about. It's their choice, right? You can... you can. No, what if they don't... What about comedy just in social settings? Oh, oh, okay, so you're saying bounds of comedy in general, so yours is wide open, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Here we go. Ding, ding. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now that we have the rules. <laughs> yeah, the rules of what's happening. Do you ever see Butch, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? No. Oh, and there's this great scene where there's this huge guy, and Butch and Sundance have been gone from the game for a while, and he's kind of become in charge, and they come back, and he's in charge. He's huge. And um, Butch is, like, you know, being challenged for him being the leader of the game, and they decide to have a knife fight. And uh, Sandown says on his horse, you know, and Butch goes up to the big guy's on it. Wait, 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 you know, before, and this guy's huge. He's just going to clobber a bunch. And Butch is all, wait, 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 before we get into this, what are the rules? And the guy's all, what rules in the knife fight? And Butch just kicks him in the balls as hard as he can. He's all, well, if there's no rules, someone say go. And Sundance goes, one, two, three, go. And he just clocks him and knocks him out. That was, there you go. That was, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect example. That was great. All right. So, um, Butch, so what do you, so how do you want to begin? Like how, where do you want to start? <laughs> it's a vast territory. I mean, well, I can, I can speak about how this, this got started. Okay. Okay. So we were together many months ago. I don't know when it was, the fall or something. And I saw something posted on your Facebook page. And it's somebody, either you had done it or someone you knew, know, had done it, and said, uh, Greg's so gay, la 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 la. Right. So then I asked on the Facebook post, 
is this derogatory or whatever word I use in, in that vein. And then you had said, oh, well, no, we were just playing around. And then I had said, well, I'm the liaison for the Gay Straight Alliance at my school, and we have, you know, anti-hate speech. So in a public school setting, we, if you say that's so gay, it's considered slanderous or, you know, hate speech because you're not saying you're so homosexual, and if you are saying you're homosexual, you're saying it meaning you're stupid, you're ridiculous, you're weird. So when you substitute that word for somebody who's identifying as a person who has rights like everybody, then we consider that not appropriate, not okay. So that's where I was coming from, but then you were saying about censorship and whatnot, so then I think that's how this star got to be born. So that is that backstory that seems yeah. accurate, yeah. Yeah, and and definitely like if, <clears throat> if I say, "Oh, that's gay," what the fuck, mm-hmm. that is. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying, "Wow, that's really cool." Right. I'm yeah. saying it in a slanderous manner. Right. And um, and there is an element of history, perhaps, to the moment of that word. Uh-huh. That is giving power to the slanderous element. Mm-hmm. However, I am not literally calling my son gay when I go, You're gay, what the fuck, you know? And I'm not literally saying homosexuals or homosexuality is less than anything else. Right, but why would you say you're so gay instead of saying you're so stupid, or you're weird, or you're being dumb? Why would you use the word gay instead of saying you're being stupid? Probably because there's an edge to it, and part of the banter <laughs> is to have an edge. Right, so that's why we're saying, in pub, and I'm saying we, for the group that I'm representing, and all these kids and families, and everything, is that... That's not a subs- that shouldn't be a substitute in the general population of using the term like that's not okay to have that as a substitute, just like you wouldn't put any other group it's not like a substitute that. it's unique under itself what do you mean unique every word I believe has uniqueness right, but why not say stupid if you're if you're saying you're being stupid, why not just say you're being stupid? Why would you say you're being gay? I mean, I mean, you're saying like if somebody's being miserly, you're saying you're being a Jew. Being a kike. Or yeah, but I, but I'm just saying like, in certain settings, it's not okay to say that kind of thing. Like if that was at school, we wouldn't allow that to, to be at school because in the public arena, you're trying we're trying to support these kids in their development. We have so many bullying and so many kids get jumped just like a couple weeks ago a kid got jumped so it's like those are those what i'm saying it's like i don't disagree that it can be said but i think that like in certain forums it's it's not okay because it's these kids there's young minds are trying to figure out what's okay what's not okay that's just where i was coming from right i just don't think that we know what's okay and what's not okay i think that so much of human history has been someone who believes 
that they know what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And they make regulations and rules and laws based on that belief. And the rigidity of it becomes part of the problem. What about if it's evolving? I mean, things are born and die all the time, right? What used to be okay, segregation is now not okay. You know, things change. Gay marriage wasn't allowed, now it is allowed. So there's certain things that there's there's the fluidity and the growth that comes along with things. When you when you know more, you do better. When you have more knowledge, you make changes. So in my mind, there's I don't see it so much as rigid, but being informed. Like if I if I know that this is a word that now we say, oh, this creates confusion or harm in, in young minds as they're developing and trying to find their identity, then I would say, okay, well, maybe this isn't an appropriate thing to say anymore. I used to say the N-word everywhere, and now people don't say but that. But I think it's more a representation of the pain within a person. That's not the word. It's not the exterior. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't think of a word that sets me off. And the worst slang word I could think of that has to do with who I am, really, would be like, crackety-ass, kike, bastard. But I'm not really a bastard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know cracker for a white person, but that it's not stinging. No, but it has to be with something that you really identify as. Like, like what if somebody said oh, you're identify. a liar or, like, because you're not a lying person or whatever. It has to really be something that you identify but with. So, but part of the identification is your belief and your struggle with acceptance. You, yeah. So, to me, it's more powerful to help people be empowered. So what would you, as a leader of this GSA, what would you do if some, if kids, middle school kids come up to you and they're crying and they're upset and they say, they're saying these words to me? Well, like, let's say what they would you said... Do? What would you like, say? Right, so let's say they come up crying mm-hmm. and they say, you know, this kid just said, that's so gay. You're gay. And... and I'm crying, and I said, "Well, are you gay?" And if the they truth s- is, yeah. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're maybe not. Maybe they're family so, members. So then, why? So what is the pain there? Like that's what I mean. If the more we're okay with what is, the less pain in our life. I understand that, and at the same time, I think that. For myself, I feel a moral obligation to kind of protect the underdog, if you will, or, you know, these are words that are being used in a negative way. So, especially for a movement that's really trying to gain some civil rights, you know, it's kind of a tenuous time. Maybe in 50 years' time it doesn't matter. Maybe that maybe that isn't even said anymore. But for now, it's kind of a real tender space and we're trying to do so much education and so much advocacy and so it seems that there could be not that you have to be completely PC about it but you that just that there's more sensitivity around like who you say it to or where you say it or something like that like in a public school I'm not going to go around saying that's okay just like I also don't drop f-bombs 
at work, right? Because I'm seen as someone who's an adult, right? So I'm modeling behavior that's appropriate. Even if they say the F word right in front of me, I'm not supposed to say it back. Right, but I think there's an element of this hierarchy of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you say fuck, you're a lesser person. You're lowbrow. It doesn't show academic prowess. It doesn't, you know, it's bad. It's wrong. Even some people, it's evil. And that gets real crazy, I think. Like, who fucking cares? Let it be. Like, so... I really like the Lenny Bruce bit about words. And his hope is that we live where words no longer hurt. There's no longer a child crying because of a word. Because we, just as people, have evolved to the point where we know they're a word. It's just a word. We've taken the sting out because... But if words are just words then that takes away poetry, that takes away writing, that takes away speeches, that takes away comedy. I mean, words aren't just words. Words are powerful, and words have meaning, and words have shades of meaning, and words have meaning at certain times when they don't have meanings at other times. You know, when I was growing up, words were more powerful than now. Sometimes kids say things now that have significant meaning, and I don't know what they're even talking about. So I think it makes a difference, right? And I don't believe fuck should be banned from anywhere. I mean, I say it all the time. I'm highly, I'm overeducated. And that doesn't, I don't take it as, you know, I don't have any class or anything. But I don't say it in front of my students. So I just, my point is, is just that there's a, there's a time and a place to say certain things and not say certain things. That's all I'm saying is like, you can say, Jonah, don't be gay in your own house or in your own wherever your confines where you're wherever in nature here's I think with Jonah Mm -hmm. part of my communication with him is that there are loaded words and you might get into trouble with those words out in the world And, and if you're ready for that if you're ready for the heat and I have a great example if you want to hear it of when I got into trouble Sure. So there's this comedian that, um, he's up in Santa Rosa area, and he has one of my favorite jokes, and he said, um, one of his favorite words is the word cunt, because usually if he says that word, one shows up, you know, within 10 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. It's a very loaded word, I found out. And then there's more to that joke. But I said it once at hanging out with people I trust, and, you know, we were in a meeting, Mm -hmm. and someone got really upset when I said that word. Just set her off, Mm -hmm. and I knew it. I could feel like, okay, that went too far, and I apologized, felt bad. (laughs) Um, I probably won't say it again in her presence. Right. But that doesn't mean it was... I wasn't bad. No, I'm not saying you're bad. I'm not saying you're bad at all. That's my point. I think we agree more than we know. But my point is is that the word isn't bad and the person who says it isn't necessarily bad, but it's the intention and it's the environment. Like, what is your intention when you're saying it? And where's the environment? Right, you're but saying? here's... You have to use, I think there's such a thing as filters. 
But here's part of what I believe, that if you're holding, like you said, the underdog, you know, Mm -hmm. advocating for the underdog, in that choice, you are empowering the train of thought of an underdog. Empowering the train of thought of an underdog? Meaning? Meaning, (laughs) you are accepting and recognizing the weakness of that individual instead of seeing the strength of that individual. Uh, I see it the opposite. I see like when someone says, oh, that basketball team was the underdog. I think that the coach sees the strengths and believes in the strengths of those people and takes them to where they go, even though society's expectations of them were that they were below performing. That's how I see it. When I say I'm for the underdog, I, I mean that I can see their strengths and I want to pull them out of what people are seeing them as okay but so the finished process of that are they getting hurt by a word anymore probably if it's derogatory really yeah just because you have confidence and strength of character doesn't mean that you don't get injured by an insult true but that's part of what i'm saying the insult doesn't have anything really to do with the word i don't think my goal in life is to become impervious to insult it's to just be a human being with integrity, you know, that can kind of know how to traffic different environments. But it doesn't mean that I'm, like, wanting to not feel anything, depending, no matter what anyone says. What does impervious to an insult mean? Or, mm-hmm. or let's go a step further. What, what do you envision is the reality of never being hurt? Never being insulted. That's what I'm saying. I don't see that happening. No, but what? Yeah. what do you, why not? I don't know. I think that our psyches are too complex. And I think the wounding is deep, no matter how much work we do. And I think that the fluctuations of our psycho-emotional nature can have holds in them and I think that no matter how confident I can feel no matter how strong I can feel that sometime some way some word some person some something has an impact and I don't think that makes me lesser than or weak than or whatever weaker than it's just I'm being human and I'm sensitive to the fact that we all have these kind of complex landscapes within us and that there's some things in our society and in our humanity that are sensitive topics or sensitive words to certain cultures. And I'm not going to go around and say those because I feel like I have a right like in their presence. I'm going to say them if I want to say them in certain environments, but I'm not going to just say I can say this wherever I want and however I want. And if you, don't do, if you can't deal with it, then you're weak somehow and you're not developed. I'm not going to... I just don't take that stance. It's not me. So... So you believe it's impossible to be a human being who's never insulted? Impossible? I don't... I don't think I would go... I don't think I do, like, the nevers, forevers, impossibles, always. Like, I don't do those kind of things. But I think to a high degree, statistically probably to a high degree, that I don't think that it that someone would have in their lifetime a place of being completely 
not feeling when it comes to an insult. I think everybody's vulnerable to feeling insulted. But you're saying that you believe there's a probability of being a human being who's not insulted. Ever. Yeah, yeah, there's a probability. But it's also a lesser probability than the probability of people being insulted. So as a public servant and as kind of some and as a teacher and someone who's working with children and families and taking a role in this, you know, gay straight alliance and promoting equality and you know, social justice, then I err on the side of the larger piece that most people would feel insulted by certain words, especially when they're 11, 12, 13, 14. And they don't, they're finding themselves and there's all these messages coming at them. And But you're saying there's a choice. Yeah, I'm not saying there's not a choice. Why would you choose the end result being a person who's insulted in life over being a person who's not insulted in life? I don't look at it that way. We're looking at things, I guess, on the opposite side. I don't look at it as me being insulted. I think I'm looking at it as me being sensitive to people in my environment. But I'm just, not looking at it as being insulted. Just earlier, when I presented the potential of living life without ever being insulted, you said that's not really practical. I don't think it's realistic. Um, does it happen? Yes, I'm sure it happens somewhere. I'm sure there are people that exist that I don't know of that are never insulted by anything. So why not hold that as the goal and whatever is experienced in reality is acknowledged, but that's the goal. That can be the goal. That's fine. We could say, let's pretend that's the goal. <laughs> Not pretend. Why I'm going to have to pretend because it doesn't exist. I mean, but what let's did just you say, just said? Let's just say it's a goal. Okay, let's just say it's a goal. And yet, the reality of what I'm living is that I need to serve as somebody who's modeling this. I mean, not need to. I mean, I do. This is what I believe in life. However, I'm just saying this role that I have as a liaison I'm I'm not at this goal end of don't be insulted it's just a word that's not that's not what my role is my role is to advocate for kids using the appropriate word doesn't <clears throat> cause other kids to feel pain it's not that's not the only those aren't the only words and it's just against the gay community I mean we use like you can't use racial slurs I mean there's all kinds of words you can't use in a public Can you school use setting doorknob? Yeah, because it's not full of meaning. But you can't say fucking before it. They say it all the time in school. You fucking doorknob. <laughs> they say it all the time, and yet, you know, we'll write them up after a while if, they, if they're directing it. But do you see, like I see, that by holding the goal of being a human being who's never insulted, you're bringing light to the situation of being hurt now. And you're not, I'm not saying blow it off. I'm not saying, ah, it's just a word, because the reality is, okay, you're hurt. That's real. However, there is a light in this reality of being a person who is no longer hurt by that. Are you talking about non-dualism? Are you, are you like, in the non-dualistic 
philosophy because the duality of there is bad there is yeah there's bad in the world there is you know negativity and i believe that it's my job to be positive i'm negative a lot but it's also my job to be positive as a teacher and as a human right and to impart those values and teach those values of how to communicate positively so if life is forever eternally to be bad and good right then who cares why put one over the other because we're always going to have both because it's called civilization we live in society a civilized society if it be lord of Do the flies we? be lo- well quote unquote it be lord of the flies i mean i know we've got donald trump and everything <laughs> I, just, I just gave him free ad airtime right there yep Sorry. Anyway, by the time this airs, he might be out. Right, he'll probably be out. Actually, I Maybe. think he will be out by June. I don't know. I, that's we'll my see. prediction. This will air, let's say, uh, April. April 11th. So. Um, so, yes, I am non-duality. That's my goal, in the sense that everyone I meet, including myself, you know, our choice being happy over unhappy, we want to be happy. Of course. To have hope in life, joy. Of course. Love. So, of course, you say, like, yeah, that's... Of course. So, so, yes, I'm not good. And I believe it is possible. I believe it is a possibility to live in that manner. Part of, part of having a joyful world is knowing how to get along with other people. And I think it's important for people to be informed about being kind to others and what that entails. I can still say, Greg, you're a fucking idiot, right? But in certain places, I wouldn't say that if I was thinking it, you know? Like, they don't say that to Barack Obama to his face, necessarily, right? <laughs> we just that's for what we can see even the crazy media doesn't show that right so I think that that's my point is that there's a time and a place whether it's all Maya it's all illusion but still we have I think it's, we have a duty to inform each other of what positive interaction would be like but you are attempting to choose the right place in the right time and you can do that for yourself you can't do it for others. In a school, I can. Well, that's a real grown-up adult piece of shit attitude. <laughs> right. So, but you don't work in a public school for a reason. You wouldn't. You wouldn't function there, maybe. But uh, probably not. And I'm right. not a real advocate for public schools because right. there's so an there element <laughs> of. And I under- should be a debate about public school, not Fuck about public public school. <laughs> right. No, so, but I, 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 let yeah, me that's intense to say that. There's a lot no, of people who could never afford it to do anything else. No, yeah. <laughs> that's really. I mean, that's kind of. Was that the boundary? Did we reach one of your personal boundaries? No, I mean, I just think that that's. That's insensitive. I mean, there's a lot of people who they can't afford it. It sounds like white privilege. I mean, there's what so many families. What I don't like about public school is it is a system, and part of what you're saying, that attitude of I can choose it. I'm the adult. 
in a environment of kids and I do know what's better. And there's this big system that is unable because there are so many participants, the um, students, the teachers, and the administration, that it can't slow down when it's not fitting for an individual. And I'm experiencing that in my life with one of my children who, when we have continually reached out to the school and it is unable to slow down and hear us and really give energy and thought to, okay, what can we all do to help this child? There is no time for that. There's no space for that. In fact, when we first went to the school in their mission statement, one of its, this is at the very beginning, before our child was going to start the school, so they have that preliminary thing in the summertime, get to know. And in their mission statement, it said, I forget exactly, but part of it was for the emotional health of the child. And so I asked the principal, you know, in the group, like, what does this mean to you? And she blew me off. And she's like, well, and I said, well, it's in your mission statement, so you must have, you know, they've changed their mission statement since. It's no honor in there. Hmm. That's what I don't like about public school. Mm-hmm. Because there is a righteousness that will not be moved that I believe is unhealthy. I agree that public school has its flaws, for sure. I've been in public school, well, my entire education, 12 years. And then I've been working in it for 15 years. So I, I do see there's like major, major flaws. However, there's a lot of things that public schools get blamed for where we do so much for the kids and nobody ever sees it, nobody ever really talks about it, nothing ever really happens, and it only gets... Public schools just get talked negatively about. And I understand why, um, but the people who are talking negatively about public schools are usually the people who can afford to homeschool, afford meaning someone can stay home, um, or they can pay for private school. So that's, you know, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's not a perfect system. I, you know, but I still think that it's an environment that is responsible for feeding kids. It's responsible for, as much as we sometimes don't like it, cultivating the psycho-emotional health of of them because it's not anywhere else, or it is there, but they show different behaviors at school than they do at home, which is classic. So, in that vein, we're not trying to control anybody. We're constantly reworking. I can speak for my school, which I love, and my school district, which is okay. <laughs> you know, it's a big district with a lot of issues, um, they, but they, they're, do, they're doing the best they can. But my school site itself is amazing. Principal, amazing. Counselors, amazing. Teachers, amazing. And we all work really hard every day to try to meet those needs. It's not a private school. The teacher-student ratio is higher. There's a lot of issues with ESL and learning disabilities that don't that don't happen at affluent schools or don't happen in private schools. So there's a lot of issues. What's there's a ESL? lot of uh, um, English as a second language. 
there's a lot of issues that we don't like. We don't like all the testing. We don't like, you know, we don't necessarily like the rigors put upon us either. However, people that are in that system are there to try to do better in a box, right? right? We're in a box. Let's make this box as awesome as it can be. So part of being as awesome as you can in a box is knowing what to say, when to say it, how to say it, to who's in the box with you. So if I'm in Mill Valley, my words are going to be different than if I'm in Actuals Middle School. Uh, so going back earlier, you asked like if someone, if I was advocating for this group, the lesbian GSA. gay... GSA. It's Gay Straight Alliance. Gay Straight Alliance. Uh-huh. Perhaps, well, an idea that came to me is uh, Scott Caparo, who's a local comedian, and he's gay. Very funny. Pretty and edgy, you know, mm-hmm. some raw stuff. Bringing that in, I don't know if he personally could be that there. That would be a good idea. We just had but, presenters, and it was really impactful for the kids. But to see comedy, because part of my love of comedy is we take our dark selves, and we bring it out into the light, and we laugh at it. And in doing so, it's taking the venom out. It's disempowering our evil, for lack of a better word. Right, and I don't think the kids would have a problem with comedy because in in people's, I'm just going to speak from my mind, but I'm just and I can I'll just make a generalization whether it's true or not true. But I believe that comedy for people is kind of it's like a it's a moment, you know, it's cognitive moment after cognitive moment, and they don't they. It's, it takes the chains off, right? And then they can laugh and they can think and they can say and they can do whatever they want because it's just one moment after the next in this environment that they're in. Even if it was in a classroom, in a school, although we probably wouldn't be able to show certain things <laughs> because that's just the way that it is. Right. Like, you know, like rated R movies, you can't get in if you're... It's just kind of one of the constraints of society, right? Like... It's following the law. Like, we don't draw. We don't drive on the on the one side. We drive on the other side. It's just like the organization of our society. Yeah, but I know you and I are in agreement that not all laws are meant to be followed. Of course. So, <laughs> my point is, is that I think if these kids were watching something like that, like even from this um, Scott Capero, Scott, yeah. that they would laugh, maybe, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming. Right. However. In the hallway, with kids' general population, we still say, please don't say that word. So I think that um, it's more recognized that the bully, in whatever environment it is, like, um, I forget who said it, but back, um, like, this, in... In slavery in the United States, it was as wounding to the people who were slave owners as it was to the slaves. Like it was, it's a deep wound. I don't think so. That's real, and and I and I find that through. You think it's as it was as bad for the slave owners as it was for the slaves? <clears throat> the wound, the people that that's the thing. Like the bully, who is bullying. Is at that's coming from a wounded place. I get that. So <laughs> I I understand what you're saying, and I get it. Like in the 
cosmic scheme of things that these are two wounded people so, and so, they share the wound. So if the bully is seeing like this gay comedian and some raw, funny stuff about being gay and that lifestyle, that, you know, elements of that lifestyle, etc., there may be some release there. And now he's or she is not so prone to bully because the fear or whatever was creating that kind of chaos is no longer at least so loaded that it is coming out in a hurtful fashion. Or it reinforces their belief because their family believes it, their friends believe it, their environment believes it, so it could reinforce it. This is tricky territory. And as educators, we're mindful of this trickiness, which is we have 1,100 kids in the building, and everyone is unique, and all of them have complex lives. Like, we all have complex lives with our wounding and whatnot. And we have to create those boundaries so that the better portion of individuals feels protected. Because our number one job is to help kids feel safe at school. It's the number one job. Safe. You're safe. And then you're educated. If you're not feeling safe, you can't be educated. Right? So the bully has to be punished. The bully has to go. We have these things called restorative circles that we do. And they have conversations. And they share. And they express their feelings and whatnot. You know, whether it's a small group with just the counselors and or it's a classroom. Um, have you seen a bully shift and let go of that aspect of being a bully through these processes? Uh, I haven't been in a lot of restorative circles myself because I don't have a traditional classroom. But I know that my students, um, I have a student who was involved in an incident last week or the week before last and um, you know consequences were were given and just Thursday I spoke with him and we had a conversation about it and you know there's not a lot of shifting going on it's just so entrenched I mean his family circumstances his neighborhood his feelings of, you know, going through puberty and all the hormones that are surging through create a lot of action that he can't control or doesn't know how to control yet, which is what we spoke about. So our job is to say, okay, this is your reality. Let us help you get resourced. Here are some strategies you can use. Here's some communication that will help you. And by the way... This is what we say is appropriate in this environment, and this is what not is not appropriate. When they're at home, whatever. But in the educational environment, these are the parameters, just like comedy has boundaries, or maybe it doesn't have boundaries. The boundaries are no boundaries. But in school, the boundaries are this and this and this. And safety is number one. And if we have to put it way out here, which is what you're saying is like too much policing, but in our mind it's expansive to be inclusive. So we're trying to be inclusive, and I'm just keeping it to the school setting because that's 
in any other area in life, I think we're in agreement with that. We kind of live similarly. But I have this role that I have to take in this environment. And it's and I take a lot of pride in caretaking, you know, and being someone who looks after young minds and hearts and their development. So that's where I'm coming from. Okay. <laughs> what else? <laughs> I can't think of anything else. You know any jokes? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm not really. I've never been really good at jokes. I laugh at jokes, but I'm not really good at remembering and telling them. No, you don't have any I'm good at sharing on Facebook. I can share. That's how I share the jokes. <laughs> share a meme. Yeah, share a meme. Memes are really happening these days. So many memes going out with yeah. those politics. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything else. Nothing else, huh? I just want to apologize on behalf of public se- public education. <laughs> <laughs> that, That's about time. I've waited 50 years. Your child is not being seen and heard in the way that she needs to be because um, I know how that is. Or he. Huh? Could be he. I thought you said it was she. No? I said oh, it was Maybe because I know it's... Much, so. Oh, it could be he, right? Yeah, he or she. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. And good for you for putting some faith in the public school system, <laughs> even though you don't want to. Uh, it's a good yeah, risk. No, like my faith is in humanity, really. Right. And we're human beings, right. and we've created these systems and things going on. Right. We've created capitalism. We've created... Socialism. Socialism. But we live in a capitalistic... Uh-huh environment Mm -hmm. I think there's you know I heard this great song riding my bike today and I forget the title but the chorus is um oh now I'm gonna butcher that too but in essence she's saying like don't come at me telling me about your riches give me your love because if you don't have love you don't have anything true yeah that just hit me today yeah like that I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So that, okay, so like bringing it back around, there's an element, Jonah and I, we go back and forth, just like cracking on each other and seeing, you know, and it keeps getting worse and worse and like Mm -hmm. more gross, more crude, more raw, raunchy. And there's a lot of love in that, I think, between the two of us. Mm-hmm. It's your bonding. It's your male bonding. It's male bonding. Totally get it. And when we first started, I would, you know, let him know, like, you do this out there, and there may be some parents who say, you can't be friends with my child anymore, because mm-hmm. it will freak them out. Right, but filters. I'm not one of those. <laughs> And you, and sometimes you don't know. Like when I was at that meeting, and I said that joke, and it just was not. I would. I don't like that word either. I've no, I've learned that there's a lot of women. It just is like it's like the N word, like you say. It's just you know we'll say the C word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people don't like it, and that's a good thing. Like things get things. I think they get used up, or they get figured out, or they get people get tired of them like I think there's a natural evolution in our vocabulary 
you know, I don't go around saying, Dost thou bringeth hither right. anymore? Right, you know, so I think there's a certain attrition to. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me when I was certain growing up, I asked my dad because, you know, kids were starting to crack at school. And I asked my dad for some cracks from him growing up, like hoping like I'd get some new ones and come to school. And they were so outdated. They were so right. like, he said, like, you've eaten the apple core and all I was like really like I'm gonna go to school with that it's <laughs> exactly not right. gonna work <laughs> I said to some kid I, I, was, I was talking about somebody who was kind of hip in the 80s or whatever and I, or 90s or something and I said oh they would say that's so fat you know P-H-A-T right. fat and they're like what are you talking about what are you saying like okay let's just get back to what we're doing here like seriously Social studies or language arts curriculum was more interesting than me saying fat. <laughs> well, so I hope so there's a time where like we've that. evolved where that C word isn't so empowered with whatever it is that is so a, a visceral in its sting. I think that our evol- I think the words reflect our evolution. So I think the word isn't used when we have evolved. I think words naturally fall out of favor. When, like, if, if women were actually treated equally and empowered and we had 80% women in the Senate instead of men, I think, you know, words like that wouldn't even Wait, be what used. what did you just say? 80% when we've evolved women. equally, when we have, <laughs> is that your idea of equal? And there lies the problem. Well, because there's, there's a lot of inequality everywhere else, I'm just saying. Okay, 50-50. But it has Mighty to be fifty-fifty everywhere, because <laughs> everything else fucking sucks. So, if it's fifty-fifty, okay, I'll give you fifty-fifty. If it's fifty-fifty, then I think the c word isn't even used, right? But wasn't because it, it just like falls out of favor? Yeah, but who's the um, French writer who Sade, right? Uh, no, Mark, who wrote really erotic stuff but it was like so crude you know talking about anal sex and Mm -hmm. oral sex and stuff back in 1700s or something Mm -hmm. and anyway that word the c word i've seen in erotic writing a lot of passion a lot of positivity in it if you're open to erotic writing yeah i think there's time and place for that so like the c word in general wouldn't be used as a something you call somebody you're using it negatively she's being a cunt it's being used negatively. But if you're using it positively in a certain situation sexually, then the meaning, words have meaning. But why is that more loaded than bitch? Because, I don't know. It's just, it's society puts weight on certain words. But society, we are society. Society's not this like Okay, we, we put weight on certain words. We put weight on certain words, so I don't know why. It's just what is, and so we respond to what is. I mean, well, that's what I mean. If we put the weight on it, we can also take the weight off. Right. So we have to evolve, and we have to be kind in the process of taking the word out of it, or having the word fade out, and us evolving. I think in that process that happens, it's the mindfulness that we use. To ensure that I'm going to be as kind as I can to my sistren and brethren. Then, eventually, before you know it, things have evolved. And then certain words lose their weight and they fall out of favor. 
or they get used only in certain contexts that actually have the potency that really brings alive their true significance in their like whole dynamic sense of what that word is. But it's not used negatively, or it's not used as a attack. You know, I mean, it's everywhere, right? It's the world over, in every culture. <coughs> Talking about duality, maybe as we evolve and we're more comfortable with our evil, our darkness, mm-hmm. then we will be more at ease with all things because. Like, oh, I'm angry now. I'm really pissed off. That doesn't mean I have to hurt you or anyone else. I can even maybe say, like, I'm angry right now. And, like, it's not not such a charge, like, you know, can't look at that. Let's not look at that. Right. Like, that's what I was saying to the student. I said, that's, I said, you know, we all have ways that we develop. You know, my ways growing up made me go inside, turn my emotions inside. Yours, your emotions are coming outside. That's fine. It doesn't matter. It's good. Feel your emotions. However, when your emotions hurt another human being, then we have to deal with that. Because that person doesn't have a right to be a victim of your aggression. Have you found that you turning your emotions inside has been has created pain in others? Are there? Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, so it's my responsibility, or has been, I take it as a responsibility, to work with my own self and to help rearrange my chemistry so that I can be more available or know the right words to use. Or when I do come out, is it really raw and I'm just kind of coming out with with words and actions that are, like, not developed for human consumption or just because I haven't had practice but I believe I have a right to have to practice that we all have a right to just it's all funky until it's not funky it's not a wound if it's like practiced right so if we hold humanity in that big space there's an element of we're going to say things now and then that create pain that let's get up dust ourselves off right right keep at it and that's what we and that's what we try to say in the public school arena. Things are going to be said. Things are going to happen. And these are going to be the consequences. And these are going to be the supports. These are going to be the resources. These are going to be your strategies. And we're here for the next time it happens. And in the meantime, we're going to try to create the safest space as possible for ourselves and for you. Feels good to. Feels good. Yeah. That's good. You alright? Feeling it, yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? No. That's good. good. Alright, thanks, Chris. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> For you. It's a beautiful world. Not me. It's a beautiful world. It's a beautiful world. It's a beautiful world. It's a beautiful world.